0: Hey, welcome to this week's Baldhead Bible Podcast, and I'd just like to encourage you if you enjoy this podcast to please consider supporting us. Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Bible, and there you'll see different levels that you can support us at. It isn't much. I'm not trying to get rich off of this or anything like that, but you can support us for the mighty amount of $1 a month. $1 a month, which comes to $12 a year. And what do you get for that? Well, you get access to the Baldhead Bible Podcast after show Waxing the Dome. It's a 10-minute show where I'll be talking about various things, and I'll probably be, number one, talking about extra content that I wasn't able to get at about the character for this week, and I'll throw in some things that I just ran out of time to talk about and wasn't able to fit in the show, or or number two, I'll be interviewing some really cool people, some theological friends I have or pastoral friends I have who can give us some insight on the book or the character we're going through that week. Or finally, I'll just interview some really cool people that are just fun to Meet, or maybe I'll just chat about stuff, but it's just for supporters of the podcast. It's going to be a 10 minute show. Our premiere episode is free, so check it out Baldhead Bible Podcast, after show, waxing the dome. But starting this week, it's only going to be accessible to our supporters. So for a dollar a month, you get access to this 10 minute after show podcast, which will be a lot of fun. But if you want to go higher, You can support us for $3 a month and there you get the after show waxing the dome as well as a sticker. We've created some Bald Head Bible merch, if you'd like to look at it that way. And I will mail you a sticker if you join for $3 per month. And our highest level is $5 a month. And there, you get the Baldhead Bible podcast after show, Waxing the Dome. Plus, secondly, you get a sticker. Plus, thirdly, you get the ability to download a PDF... And it'll be a series of questions that you can use to think through the story in the podcast. You could use these questions as a way to have devotions with your family or use it with your Bible study group. And I'll try to throw in, if I can, a little crossword puzzle that maybe your kid and you can fill in as you listen to the podcast. So you get that if you join at $5 per month. So think about supporting the podcast. You can support us, again, easily for $1 a month. It's called The Buzz Cut. Or you can join us at $3 a month, which is called Shaved. You're getting closer to the bald goodness. And then the highest level, $5 a month, and that's called True Baldy you have reached true bald head bible perfection so i'd encourage you to think about it um it cost me some money to put this podcast on but of course you don't have to join at all and you can just listen to the main podcast which will always be free and i want to get the message of the bible and the excitement of scripture out there so do not worry that will always be free but if you'd like to think about supporting us, go once again to patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible or just go to patreon.com and search baldhead bible. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast. Making the Bible come to life. Featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katsian. Hebrews 11:6 says without faith it is impossible to please him him being God without faith it is impossible to please him 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says this for we walk by faith not by sight faith is crucial to the christian life Faith is crucial if we are going to live properly before the Lord. But man, faith is so hard to live by. And sometimes when the world around you stresses you out and you think, you know what, sin would be so pleasurable, I would love to do that sin because I am under a lot of pressure right now, and man, that would feel good, and God says, don't do it, and you think, I'd love to do it, and then you think, no, I can't do it, but I wanna do it, and you think, I've gotta walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes faith takes obedience, right? God says, I want you to be obedient. I want you to obey what I say in my word. But what if obeying what God says in his word costs you something in this life? What if following God and being obedient makes you lose friends who don't understand why you're standing on some principle that just seems so goofy and dumb to them? but you know, the Bible says to not do this, but your friends want you to do this, but you feel like I can't do this. If I say no, it's going to cost me. And the world says it's okay. The world says everything's great. Just do it. That takes faith. To say in this moment, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. In this moment, I'm going to have a faith that pleases God, and I'm going to obey. But man, those moments are hard to live by. And I just want to encourage you today, if you are that person right now, because sometimes it's easy to walk by faith when the sun's shining, when everything's going great, when your bank account is full, when everybody loves you and your name, and they say great things about you, it is easy to walk by faith, but... If you're in that boat where you realize if I'm going to obey God here, it's going to cost me. Do I walk by faith and trust God more than my circumstances? Maybe if you're in this boat where you feel like I have faithfully pursued God all my days and all I've gotten right now is bad stuff. I I just feel like I've had the world dump on me, you know, and it's just horrible. Things are bad. This is not good. I don't know if it's worth it to walk by faith, because it doesn't seem to produce joy or pleasure in the moment. It's all work and pain. If you're in that boat, I just want to encourage you. Man, have I got a story for you. And it begins when we meet a character in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And her name is Hannah. Now, I like to call her Mrs. Palindrome because her name is spelt the same way forward or backward. You know, she's a palindrome. Hannah, Hannah. But anyway, we meet this woman named Hannah. And Hannah is a godly woman. And she is married to a man in 1 Samuel chapter 1 whose name is Elkanah. Now, Elkanah and Hannah are living at the end of the period of the judges. So right now, culturally, things are not good if you want to live for the Lord. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. People chose to do their own thing. The culture around you said, hey, just party. Don't live for the Lord. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Do your own thing. But Elkanah and Hannah, it seems like we're totally different. They were making choices to follow Yahweh. One reason we know that is because it says that Elkanah was a man who followed the Lord and who would go to the temple the required three times a year. He would head up to the temple for the celebrations and the festivities, and he would honor God by obeying his word and going up to the temple. I mean, this is a sign that this is a godly man. And Hannah would go along with them and they would go up there and they would celebrate and talk about the wonders of Yahweh and thank him for all the benefits they had given him. Well, Hannah and Elkanah did this. But Hannah and Elkanah, they also had a big hurt. Something that was causing them immense grief. And in particular, Hannah. Hannah. And that great sadness in their life was that they couldn't have kids. It was a great tragedy to the Jewish mind to not be able to have children. You were commanded of the Lord to go forth and multiply. And when you couldn't have kids, they often felt that they weren't blessed by God. Some people would even say, you were cursed by God. And that's what their culture told them. It wasn't right. They needed to trust God and that God is good and the Old Testament is full of a loving God who's merciful and it's not your fault that you don't have kids. But they considered it such a blessing to have kids that when you weren't able to have kids, it was a great hurt. Well, there was so much pressure in that culture to have kids that many men during this time... Took a second wife. And clearly what happens here is Elkanah loves Hannah. You can tell Hannah is his true love. But Elkanah, he listens to the culture around him. And he marries a second wife. Her name is Peninnah. So he has one wife named Hannah and a second wife named Peninnah. And he has the second wife to hopefully, through her, produce kids. Well, guess what? Penina? she produces lots of kids for Elkanah. They have lots of kids together, and she has child after child after child. And Hannah, when she sees this, I can't imagine the hurt it must have caused her. And it says that they would go up to the temple and it says that as they went up to the temple to celebrate three times a year, Peninnah would provoke Hannah grievously and would try to irritate her with the fact that, hey, I'm the one with all the kids, all the sons and all the daughters. And how many do you have, Hannah? Zero. And I think it even came out more because in many of the festivities, the mothers were celebrated for their children and they would get more food and more gifts. And Hannah, who's trying to live righteously, didn't have anything. And it's said that Peninnah provoked her grievously, irritated her, went out of her way to hurt Hannah not physically, probably, but emotionally, and lorded it over her. Now, clearly, Peninnah did not have a good character. And I don't even know if she was truly following Yahweh, but I wonder if Hannah looked at this situation and looked at Peninnah and said, look, you are not a good person. You are not living by faith. But the Lord seems to bless you with kid after kid after kid. And here I am, Hannah may be thinking, and I am trying to live by faith. And I'm trying to do what's right. And I don't get kids. I do not get blessed. Why is that? And I want to say, isn't that true for a lot of us today? You, know, you try to live for the Lord, and then you see people who aren't living for the Lord, and they seem to be better off than you. And God seems to be blessing them. One of the Psalms asks, why do sinners prosper and righteous people suffer? It's not fair. And that's when you can quit living by faith. You know, you can say it's not worth it. If I mean, look over there. Frank gets everything he wants and he's not living for the Lord at all. I'm trying to live for the Lord and man, I am getting dumped on over here and I'm just going to quit it. I'm just going to join the world. I'm going to join what he's doing because it is not worth it. Well, Hannah could have said that. And it says in this passage here that Hannah would often weep bitterly. I mean, it took its emotional toll on her. But she was a person of faith who didn't give in to circumstances. And I wish I could tell Hannah, hey, don't give up because great things are about to come. And if anybody's listening to this, I want to say, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Keep walking by faith. Because remember, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. You have a loving, awesome God who's working behind the scenes on your behalf to accomplish great things for you. You don't know the end of your story. Don't give up. Don't give up, Hannah. Well, Hannah does not give up, but man, does she weep bitterly. And one time Elkanah, being the genius that he is, sees Hannah crying and he goes to her, why are you weeping bitterly? Why are you crying? Am I not more more valuable to you than 10 sons? Because one thing Elkanah would do when he would see Peninnah lording it over Hannah and all the food she got at these festivities, well, it says that Elkanah went out of his way to make sure Hannah got a double portion. So if Penina got one steak. Elkina would make sure Hannah got two steaks at this party. Penina got one Xbox. He would make sure that (laughs) Hannah got two Xboxes. I don't think she'd like an Xbox, but he made sure that his wife, Hannah, his favorite, got a double portion of whatever Penina got because he felt so bad. Well, I keep thinking, if you cared for her that much, why did you marry the second wife in the first place? Clearly, this goes against the Torah. Clearly, this goes against the model for marriage set out in Genesis from the beginning. God said marriage is between one man and one woman for life. So why, if you love her so much, Elkanah, why did you marry this other woman? I think he's given into culture. And he's in the time of the judges where they weren't really aware of what the Bible said or they chose not to be aware and he took half-truths and sort of did his own thing. But it was wrong. And I keep thinking, if you truly loved her, why did you do this in the first place? Well, one time they're up at the temple and it says that Hannah was grieved to the soul and she was weeping bitterly. It says she was deeply distressed. And I keep thinking, this is one moment. Think of over the years how deeply distressed she must have been. Seeing Penanag rewarded with kid after kid and, and being celebrated at the temple and how deeply distressed she was year after year. Well, here she cries out to God. And she's at the temple and she's so distressed that she vows a vow, but she vows it in her heart and she prays in her heart. And what she's praying in her heart does not verbally come out of her mouth. She just makes this vow and vows a vow and prays it so intensely that her mouth begins to form the words, but nothing comes out. And she's weeping and she's crying and she's forming these words and she's silently crying out to God, this vow that she's made. And she's sitting on the ground, maybe away from her husband. It says she gets up early, she goes to the temple and she just weeps and cries out to God. And it says at that moment, Eli, the priest is walking along and he sees Hannah just intensely weeping and her lips forming words but nothing coming out and Eli goes hey hey what are you doing being drunk here you have got to stop drinking that wine what what are you drunk now I think number one This must have been something that Eli, the priest, had seen multiple times before. Remember, this is the time of the judges. People should not have been drunk in the temple. Well, they'd come up to these feasts and they would overeat and they would overdrink and they would get drunk and they would get obese and fat and all these horrible things that shouldn't be, but they didn't care about God. They just cared about themselves. And it's sad that this is something Eli saw. And instead of seeing a woman who is intensely crying out to God, he thinks she's drunk. And Hannah goes, no, chief priest, whose name was Eli. Eli, no, you are the chief priest. and I want you to know I am not drunk. No, I didn't drink wine. I'm crying out to God. I'm making a vow to the Lord. I I want him to hear my distress. I am crying out to God. Now, what is this thing she cried out to God? What is this vow she made? Well, it says there in First Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, that she vows to God, O Lord of hosts, O commander of the angelic army, please, I need your help. Please, Lord of hosts, of strength, of valor, O Lord of hosts, she cries out. If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, Lord, please Yahweh, commander of the army, give me a son. If you will remember me and give me a son, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. I'll give him back to you, Yahweh, and no no razor shall touch his head. Hannah is saying, if you give me a son, I'm going to put him under a Nazarite vow, and I'm going to give him back to you. Now, a Nazarite vow was something that a Jew could do, to show, hey, I'm in allegiance to God. In fact, I'm going to go under a Nazarite vow for a period of time. And some of that time was during that time, you couldn't cut your hair. It would grow long. You couldn't have any products produced from grapes. You couldn't touch a dead carcass or a dead body. They had some strange rules. But ultimately, you had all these rules during a period of time. And then once that period of time of mourning, of fasting, of saying, I am yours, Lord, Lord, you would then go back to your normal life and continue serving God. But it seems like Hannah is saying here, if you give me a child, I'm going to put him under a Nazarite vow from birth for the rest of his days. There's only two people in scripture who were under a Nazarite vow from birth. That was Samuel and Samson. And Hannah is saying, if you give me a child, he's yours. He's going to be under an Nazarite vow. I'm going to give him to the service of the temple. I'll give him back to you, Lord, if you give me a son. Man, this is a vow. I and mean, that would be intense. And it was so intense, like I said, Eli, the chief priest, thought she was drunk. And when Hannah explained it, he said, I see you've been pouring out your soul before the Lord. Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you your petition. Well... Elkanah, Hannah, and to head back home. And it says a couple months later, Hannah is pregnant. It says that God remembers her and she gets pregnant. And nine months later, the Lord of hosts helps her give birth to a son. Elkanah and Hannah together have produced a son with the blessing of the Lord. God was behind it the whole time. They give birth to a son and Hannah names him Samuel, which means God has heard. God heard me. Some people think that must have been 10 plus years that they've been trying for a kid. And I don't know if it was that long, but it was a long period of time. And think about all the time she might have made that vow earlier and nothing happened. Maybe think about all the time she'd cried in distress over and over again to God. But finally, this time, God heard. Yay! Thank you, Lord! And she raised Samuel And it says that one day Elkanah said to Hannah, hey, we're going up to the temple. You better bring little Sammy with us. Let's head up. And Hannah said, no, I'm going to stay here with little Sammy. We're not going to go up to the temple until he is weaned, is what the Bible says. And basically what the word weaned means is Samuel is able to to eat on his own. Whenever Samuel got to the point where he could drink his own juicy juice or drink his own milk out of his own tippy cup and he didn't need to have his mother's milk or have his mother feed him with a bottle, when he was able to eat his own food and walk around and do his own thing as a little boy, then he's weaned, then he's ready to be given back to the temple. And Elkanah's like, hey, that sounds right. And it seems like in Jewish culture, a child was usually weaned off his mother's milk by the age of two or three. So for the next two or three years, Hannah got to spend time with Samuel. And I wonder what she was thinking, you know. This whole time she's spending with Samuel, but I wonder if she thinks... This time goes so fast because she knows at the end of three years she's going to have to say goodbye to her little child. And I wonder with every little advancement, she thought, hey, don't grow up too fast because I literally am going to lose you. Well, after three years, little Samuel can drink his own sippy cup. He can pour his own juicy juice. He can make his own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't know what it is. He's able to survive his own. He's potty trained. And Hannah's like, yay! But probably she's also like, yay. Well, at the end of those three years, it's time to say goodbye to little Samuel. So they head up to the temple. And it says that they bring an offering with them. They brought either three bulls, which if that's true, they gave one to the priest to be sacrificed, and then they gave the other two to the temple so they could be eaten. But the thing is, that's expensive. And that probably proved Elkanah had a lot of money if it was three bulls. If it was a three-year-old bull, they still weren't poor people, and that cost them a lot to get this bull up there. So they brought up to the temple either a three-year-old bull or three bulls to be sacrificed, and then they brought an ifa of flour. And an ifa of flour is 22 liters of flour. Now, you have a two-liter bottle at Walmart or at Target, right, that's got pop in it. So think that that's two liters. So 22 liters would be 11 bottles of pop worth of flour. That's a lot of flour. So three bulls or a three-year-old bull. 22 liters of flour and a skin full of wine. This was a lot of stuff. And They brought it up to be sacrificed to the Lord. And then they gave their greatest sacrifice. They said goodbye to their little boy Samuel. And they gave their three-year-old boy in service to the temple and to the Lord for the rest of his life. And I wonder how hard it was for Hannah in that moment to do that. And I wonder if Hannah, you know, I wonder if she thought during those whole three years she was feeding Samuel and helping him grow up, I wonder if she thought, would God really want me to follow through on that vow? I mean, it was sort of made in a rash moment. And is this truly what God wants me to do? I don't know. And I can rationalize and talk myself. out. I mean, is it really good for a boy to be pulled away from his parents, to be given to a temple to be serving there? I don't even know if that's good parenting ideas. We probably shouldn't do that. I mean, I could have talked myself out of that, but Hannah doesn't. Hannah fulfills her vow. She's the only woman in the Old Testament to make a vow and to fulfill it. I mean, this was a godly woman, and I can't imagine the grief she must have felt as she turned around and walked away. Did Samuel cry? Please don't leave me. Or maybe he knew this was his calling. Maybe this whole time Hannah was talking to Samuel saying, hey, in three years, you're going to get to work at the temple. You're going to be in the presence of the Lord every day, and it's going to be so wonderful. I don't know, but seeing a three-year-old waving goodbye as you walk away, and then to realize you're only going to see him maybe three to four times a year. Every time you get to go up to the temple, you get to see him. he's a little older. You don't get to spend every day with him. I wonder if this broke her heart. Like I said, it's hard to walk by faith sometimes, right? I think at this moment, Hannah could have said, I am not going to obey. I am not going to obey my vow. I'm not going to obey and follow through with this. This has cost me too much. To give up my three-year-old son? This is too much. But Hannah did obey. And she did walk by faith. And she did walk by obedience and not by sight. Because of that, we have been blessed. Because we're going to find out about the rest of the exploits and adventures of her son Samuel... And Samuel is the last judge in the history of Israel. And Samuel goes on to be a great man in the history of Israel. And Samuel becomes the kingmaker. And he anoints King Saul. And later he anoints King David. And then from David we get Jesus. And what if Hannah had not followed through? What if Hannah had not obeyed? We wouldn't have seen the rest of the story and all the wonderful things Samuel did. But the thing is, Hannah didn't know that. She doesn't know the rest of the story. She's never heard of Jesus. She's never heard of David. She doesn't know the great man that Samuel becomes. Hannah was obedient in the moment. And I think that's all that God asks of us every day is to be obedient in the moment, to walk by faith in this moment, trusting me that I am a loving God who will fulfill Romans 8, 28, and I will turn all things to good if I just walk by faith and not by sight, trusting him. Well, thankfully, Hannah did. She drops off Samuel. I think Samuel's holding Eli's hand. and Eli, the chief priest, is holding little Samuel's hand and excited to have a new priest to be, and he's going to train him in the ways of the Lord. Eli looks over, though, and he sees his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. He looks down at little Samuel. Or maybe he takes a big gulp. Because <clears throat> he knows when he looks at Hophni and Phineas, things are not right in the temple. Things are not going well. And man, if only little Samuel knew the problems and corruption that was happening here and... Eli's thinking, what am I going to do about it? How will little Samuel fare in this bad temple? What's going to happen? Well, if you come back next week, we'll find out how little Samuel fares. But at the end of the story, I just want to say, let's be thankful for Hannah, who obeyed, even though it cost her, who walked by faith and exemplified what it means to be. A person who through faith obeys no matter what the cost. I pray that is said of us. And thank you, Hannah, for giving us an example of how to walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.